0: Listen to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast, your one-stop shop for Islanders news, analysis and opinions, featuring the biggest personalities in sports podcasting, TJ and the grumpy old man. That's right, TJ. If you want your opinions viewed through orange and blue colored glasses from an Islander Bobo and charter member of the and trust crowd, you'll love the measured commentary from TJ. On the other hand, if you want the unvarnished truth of a hockey purist, a genius, a legend, And an all-around great guy? The grumpy old man's insane ramblings will be just what you need to survive each and every week. An all-around great guy? Well, we also have weekly installments of Stump the Grump, an absolute fan favorite. Make sure to participate in our live streams and listen every Monday and Thursday to the bi-weekly podcast. You can find the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on The Hockey Podcast Network. to the florida hockey podcast justin bedford alongside noah russo how you doing this week Noah? i'm good how are you not too bad not too bad busy week as always but uh always good to be on the podcast talking to you talking panthers hockey and i mean this this episode this is our very first episode of season two um which is exciting
1: yeah i mean it's hard to believe that it's already season two, to be honest.
0: It's hard to believe we lasted till season two. Yeah. It's hard to believe we had a season one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, to be honest. Yeah. No, shout out to the guys from the hockey podcast network for, taking for us on. on us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a fantastic ride and looking forward to the future. Yeah.
0: And also a big shout out to Jared Shea, who we've had as a guest on the podcast a couple of times. Um, because he really was the inspiration for us starting a podcast um, after watching, you know, his success with the blue one boys podcast. Um, So without him, there is no Florida hockey podcast. So big shout out to him uh, for really inspiring all this. And yeah, of course to the guys at the network, I mean, it's just been a ton of fun uh, being able to do this every week.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's been awesome. Thanks, Jared. This has been this has been truly awesome. It, it, it's a shame that our podcast lives on and his does not. That, that's really what, what kind of like I what, – what puts a little damper on the situation is the, the Blue Line boys aren't anymore, but we shall prevail.
0: Yeah, and I think going back to the beginning, so for, for any of our listeners who don't know the story – um basically the Blue Line Boys podcast they had a podcast we thought hey that's a great idea why don't we start our own podcast and make it better than theirs um and so we did start the podcast and it was quite terrible um right out of the gate and I think then- I think that just has to do with our setup like
1: I'm trying to th- I'm trying to remember I think that was the second episode I came yeah. on you did the first episode
0: solo the you fir- did it
1: on your own talking for like 45 minutes about hockey.
0: Yeah. So the, yeah, the first episode, I was like super sleep deprived one night and I thought, all right, why not I'll just do a podcast? And it was literally like 45 minutes of me just like talking into like my headphone uh, microphone and that was it. And then the second episode we recorded on my phone with you and with uh, John Bird, who we've had on a few times. Uh, and based off of those two episodes alone, the guys at the network said, we love your podcast, which was—I don't—I honestly—I don't think they—I—I
1: I, I honestly don't think they judged us based on the quality. I think they judged us based on the potential.
0: It, it had to be the th- potential and the content. It certainly couldn't have been the quality. That is <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, just having this opportunity—I mean, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, getting to do this—I mean, yeah, we we, yeah. we love talking hockey. Um. So yeah. the, the the fact that we get to do this and have some fun with it is, is just been awesome.
1: Yeah. And just for some, some context, you, you put it rather mildly is our motivation to start this or at least yours. And I, I came on and to, to be better than, um, be, better than the blue line boys. If anybody's seen curb your enthusiasm, Larry David has this thing called a spite store where he opens, uh, a coffee shop just in spite of another coffee shop that wronged him. I don't want to say that that's what we did here with the spite podcast, but it's a similar concept.
0: Yeah. I think the idea was like you you saw them doing their podcast and the kind of thought was, I think we could do better.
1: Well, I, we knew we could do better.
0: Yeah. I mean, initially we did not do better. (laughs) We did much worse,
1: but the content, the content, I think, was better. Just the quality was... Severely lacking. Severely lacking is a um, great way to put it.
0: Yeah, but that's, that's the past. Moving on to Season 2, we have a lot of big things planned this season. We're hoping to get some merchandise out there. Uh, hopefully live stream some podcasts. Uh, a lot of different stuff. We're going to be more active on our social media. These are all plans that we have for Season 2. How much of those we follow through on, Eh, we'll see uh but we're gonna try our best uh as always and so uh yeah first of all just thank you to all the listeners out there uh because without you guys listening in each week uh we have no podcast and so really thank you to all of you uh we appreciate all the support and all the people that listen to the show and yeah i'm just I'm, i'm super stoked for for season two here
1: yeah Um, we, we've had some pretty, I mean, in terms of starting off something, it's been pretty unique so far. Season one got cut short about, well, not really cut short, but halfway through pandemic starts. Now we're starting season two. I want to say on the tail end of the pandemic, but who knows? And right now we're starting this season two and we don't even know when the NHL is going to start.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the, plan was always to come back, you know, like just before the season was going to resume, but with so much uncertainty, uh, you know, the guys of the network decided that this is when we were going to start. So it is, it is a little bit unique because we're going now, we're going to be doing two shows a week, probably 30 minutes a show roughly. Um, But right now there isn't really a whole lot to talk about. There's not too much going on. The team isn't playing. Um. With that being said, though, there still is some hockey news out there. Uh, and, and the biggest story this week uh, was coming from the Canadian World Junior Camp where they had to shut things down after players started testing positive uh, for COVID-19. And so, no, how do you think that that is going to affect maybe the upcoming World Juniors in Edmonton and the precautions that teams are taking and affect just the selection of Team Canada because there's going to be some guys where they don't really get a great look at them uh, because of this stoppage. Yeah, it's not going to be easy far from ideal,
1: Really? It's, I don't think, I mean, you had to kind of see it coming. You had to know it was a possibility. Um, In terms of selection, it's going to be tough. Um, I mean, typically, World juniors, I think, have this like kind of like the, the goal is to put up a team that's going to work well together, not necessarily the best individual skill, but rather the best team as a whole. And that might mean, um, you know, like some some player of higher talents get cut, but that, that's that's what you have to do to get a better team chemistry. Um, during this 14 day quarantine, I assume they can still mingle amongst each other. Do you, do you have any word on that? I, I believe you're right in that, but I'm not a hundred percent certain. So, so you can do a certain like amount of things off ice. Like I assume they're all stay, staying at the same hotel at this but point. I guess
0: like if, if you're doing everything off ice, like if they're still interacting, then why wouldn't you just have the on ice stuff? I don't know. Right. Yeah. To to me, the big impact is that with the world juniors and you look at the the kind of top teams in the tournament every year, Canada, Russia, USA, Finland, Sweden. Right. And they're all very talented teams every year. And usually what puts a team over the top is what team can build chemistry and cohesion the quickest and really uh, dominate the tournament. And so when you can't build that chemistry, because you have a lot of guys, you have guys from the OHL, WHL, you have guys that are playing uh, overseas, you have guys that are playing college hockey. And when you have guys that don't have that level of familiarity with each other, it it becomes quite difficult to build that chemistry and rapport amongst those teammates.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, this year they do have what I think is a solid coaching staff. I mean, headed by none other than Ottawa 67's head coach Andre Tourigny and i think that is a huge part is not maybe not every world junior team but specifically canada's world junior teams a good coach can make the uh, impressive difference during yeah. the tournament and i think with this coaching staff there there's potential and yeah. This is gonna be really important to
0: see how they come out
1: of this 14 day quarantine.
0: Yeah, and it and it's so important with, with Canada obviously being the host and the pressure for Canada is always on to win gold, right? Anything less than gold is is pretty much a failure, right? Yeah. But that's the expectation every year. Um is for that, that team to do in, uh, in the meantime, I don't
1: think USA's had their camp. I don't know when they plan to have their camp.
0: Uh, yeah, I believe it's later because they still have all the college hockey stuff. Yeah, going on. everyone's
1: playing college hockey right now. So that's going to be interesting. You know, Canada gets this camp so much earlier than everyone else. Um, and mostly due to the fact that CHL is not playing at the moment, other than the QMJHL, who's had some games. I mean, they started off the season in full swing. Then Quebec got shut down. You know, it was only the Maritimes. Then they had a mini bubble uh, in Quebec City. Um, I don't know if you followed that at all. Uh, but So so they had that going. So they're the only ones that are really doing anything. Meanwhile, OHL, WHL are completely on standby. Um, I know they're doing the, the Memorial Cup right now, the NHL 21 Memorial Cup. They, they get a player from each team to participate, which I think is cool. It's not real hockey, but... It's something, Um, but I think that had this, had there not been a COVID-19 outbreak in the camp, you'd be looking at a Canadian
0: team that has a significant advantage over everyone. Yeah. Does, does the outbreak uh, and their inability to kind of control it, does that cause any concern in you about the uh, viability of the upcoming tournament?
1: 100%. I mean, even without an outbreak, I would still be worried. Right. Because yeah. y- you never know it. It takes one guy. Right. Yeah. It, it takes one person. So. I'm, I'm always wary. I was worried about the NHL bubble. But within that first week, when nobody comes back positive, then that's where you're, you're kind of, it mitigates the risk a little more. So, yeah. I, I will
0: still have concerns up until that point of the bubble. Yeah, and I think the, the, the big concern I have, too, is more just around the fact that unlike, you know, the, the NHL bubble or the NBA bubble and stuff like that, you know, there's less money and less resources going into this. And just the fact that it's, it's junior hockey, right? These are young players who have their entire careers ahead of them uh, and, they're you know, they're not being paid. So it's a very different situation than those other bubbles where the, the reward for these individuals is a lot lower and the risk is arguably higher. Exactly. So it creates a very unique situation um, and definitely some concern uh, going in to the, uh, going into the tournament. Uh, with that being said, like I, I hope nothing happens because I'm excited to watch. Obviously, obviously, all these players excited to see uh, Spencer Knight back in the crease for Team USA, um, and Anton Lindell, obviously for for Team Finland. A lot of eyes are going to be on him. So like like I love the World Juniors every year. It'd be a shame if you know there were issues, but definitely think that it's a very real possibility, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle it should anything come up. Yeah, it's would not be
1: ideal. That's that's the least we can say. Um it, i I have no idea, but I am excited if everything goes smoothly because we get
0: hockey on Christmas Day, right? Which is always ideal. Always ideal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it does yeah the world junior is just the best. It it really is. I mean
1: in terms of international hockey, I don't think it gets better than that. Well, I like right? I, I like it better. I mean, world championships is virtually irrelevant just because it happens at the same time as the Stanley
0: Cup. Yeah, um, countries with tons of players missing. The World Cup of Hockey
1: just felt like a gimmick to me. I still really enjoyed it, regardless it of the fun. gimmick, It was fun. Like I the... really liked I really liked watching Team North America. I thought that was really cool. Um but there's just something about the world juniors
0: yeah i think i think what it is for me about the world Juniors is that it's like a it's you know these young kids too but because they're so young the the pace of play is ridiculously high they're just flying up and down the ice and b a lot of these guys aren't fully developed hockey players so there's a lot of mistakes that go on and it makes for just a very chaotic and exciting product yeah um when really just all hell can break loose at any given time. <laughs> so I, I love that about the tournament and I'm excited and looking forward to it. Um, especially cause it's just been so long since we've had any, you know, live yeah. hockey obviously there's college hockey and there's, you know, hockey overseas, but it's not the same as the NHL and watching our Panthers. So it'll be nice to watch, uh, that tournament. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, So we're going to move on here now to our second topic tonight. Um, But before we move on a quick promo here uh, for one of the other podcasts on the hockey podcast network, uh, which is one of the newer podcasts on the network, which is life after hockey, um, which I've, I haven't listened to personally. I've heard very good things about it. It's uh, hosted by Brad Lieb, who is a former NHL player. Uh, where he shares stories you know about his life and about playing um and just a very interesting guy so if uh you're just a hockey fan in general i think you know this is a great podcast definitely give it a listen um and enjoy because it's just going to be an exceptional podcast i can't wait to see uh that one take off because it's it's going to be special for sure
1: yeah i think it's gonna be really cool
0: um it's all it's always fun yeah. when we get, you know, former NHL players on the network cuz it's easy to kind of talk about these things but for the guys who have lived that, you know, life and that experience, like there's yeah. nothing compares. There's only so much we can do. Um
1: they they definitely add just uh, just an, a layer of
0: authenticity
1: to a podcast. And
0: Yeah, they just can't
1: be replicated. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Um yeah, so if you're a hockey fan, definitely give uh, that podcast to listen. That is life after hockey with Bradley Leib uh on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes every week. Um coming back now to our second topic of the night, Noah, which is the Florida Panthers offseason. I posed this question to you before the podcast we could debate. Uh the question for this episode is what offseason move um do you think will have the greatest impact for the Florida Panthers? So what move have they made do you think is going to be the most impactful for this team? Um.
1: So, so my question, uh, my question, my answer kind of has to do with the move they made and a the move they didn't make. All yeah, right.
0: Well, yeah, let's, let's go. Yeah. So the question is best off season move.
1: So uh, they go hand in hand, right? So in my opinion, shipping out Mike Matheson to Pittsburgh is going to do wonders through the organization. I just think that there wasn't room for him on on the blue line. He's not good. I don't think he's good. So bringing in Patrick Hornquist in his place to play potentially top six minutes, worst case third line, I think that's going to have a huge impact. And especially when you consider the fact that they're not bringing back Mike Hoffman. I mean, I doubted at this point even though mike hoffman has not signed a contract as of now which is just crazy that he hasn't signed i could have found a contract by now if i was looking but i think it's a contract of it's a conflict of interest with my monday night beer league so i just chose not to yeah yeah, i think that violates the cba yeah it's just not it wouldn't be ethical or anything um but you know so you're bringing in a guy who can actually maybe provide even power play scoring if asked so I, I really, really like this move by Bill Zito. And what I think was his first like major move as Panthers GM, um, I, I really like this move.
0: Yeah, like I think when Bill Zito was hired, everyone was pretty excited and kind of waiting to see what his first move would be. And I think the general reaction from, that I get from Panthers fans is that they were just ecstatic that they were able to move the Matheson contract. And I think what I've really liked about it too, is that the expectations for Patrick Hornquist coming in are very reasonable. Like I think people understand that this is a player who is well past his prime, who is taking a beating over the course of his career, just based on the style that he plays. Right. They're not expecting, you know, people aren't expecting him to come in here and be, you know, a 60, 70 point player. They want a guy to come in, who plays with a bit of sandpaper who can play in front of the net on the power play, who can just add that different element. Um, and so, I, yeah, I just love this move all around. Um, for me, there, there was a couple different moves uh, that I, I really liked uh, that the Panthers made this offseason. But for me, I think what I'm going to go with is the uh, Alexander Wenberg signing. Okay. And what I really liked about this was um, when you talk about making a move and, you know, in the off season, um, and you're kind of evaluating it and you look at that signing, you go, you didn't give up any assets, right? So that's already great. Very low cost signing. Um, Alexander Wenberg's a guy who's had, you know, some down years, but he's a competent NHL player. And he's a guy that just fills a need for this team. Like they needed someone, uh, to play second line center for this team. And he slots in there, and I think you're going to see a much improved player than what you saw the last two years uh, in Columbus, a guy who has a lot to prove. I think his style of play is going to fit in really well uh, with some of the other pieces the Panthers have. And I like the fact that Bill Zito has that previous rapport with the player, so he knows what he's going to get out of him. He knows who he is as a person. Uh, And I think that's really key. So I think Wenberg is a guy who is going to have a phenomenal season uh, for the Panthers based on expectations. Right. Like, I think he can be a very solid contributor. I think he's going to surprise some people. And I think at the price point of like $2 million, like I don't think he can really go wrong. I
1: completely agree with you. And on the free agent front, um, I – yeah, I, I think it's hard to argue with the Alex uh, Wenberg signing. I think it's pretty much the, the best free agency signing that Bill Zito had uh, this offseason. Although I, I really like, and I know this is a very um oh, say hit it. or miss. Say it. I like the Radko Gouda <laughs> sign. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I can't help it. Um, I don't really like him as a player, but that's because he always played against me. He always, you know, he always played against the team. And now that he's on the team, you're getting a really, really physical defenseman who can play on the third pairing or the second pairing.
0: Yeah, I think with Radko Gudis, you're you're just getting a veteran type D who plays with that physical edge. Um, you look at the underlying metrics, like they aren't bad. They aren't terrible, but they aren't great. But I think, so I think when you look at Radko Gudas, you're looking at a guy who's pretty much, you know fairly average on the ice but adds some different elements both on and off the ice with the physicality and with you know his leadership and presence that I think will have a positive impact on the team and I think I you know I think the contract is maybe a bit too pricey for him it's a little he's thirty it's a little
1: long I would have given him a two-year contract no more than two million but I still like the signing. It's, I think that he's going to bring, pardon me, a layer of physicality on the defense, on the defensive, like on the blue line that we just didn't have before.
0: Yeah. And I I think, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I like the player a lot. I like the style. Yeah. The price and length of the contract was a bit rich, but at the same time, you look at some of the other guys on that blue line and what they're getting paid. Exactly. And, and you can make a case that like it's not that bad of a contract when you look at Strawman or Yeah, know. I
1: was gonna say you give me Radko Gudis at two point five, like instead of Anton Strawman at five point five any day of the week. Any yeah. day of the week.
0: Yeah. The other move I was gonna throw in contention there for best move of the Panthers offseason would be and it's not really a flashy move, but it's just the re signing of Mackenzie Weager.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because Um, just getting that guy locked up.
1: No, he's definitely going to be one of the better contracts, especially on the blue line. That's not hard to
0: beat. No. Fantastic signing on Bill Azito's part. Yeah, just to get him under contract. Like, he's such an important player for this team. We've talked about him a lot on the podcast and what he brings and just how important he is for this franchise, pairing up with with Aaron Ekblad. Right, you know, being that kind of steady presence on the back end. So I think that was huge for the team. Um, lastly, before we sign off here, Noah, what was your least favorite move of the Panthers off season?
1: Um, I wish he brought Mike Hoffman back. Uh, uh, there's nothing I really dislike inherently that he did. Um, You know, and we're talking about moves that we probably won't be able to judge for years to come. Like, there's no way of evaluating that Toronto trade. Uh, Literally just for picks. Um, I can't think of anything inherently terrible that Bill Zito's done, that it jumps out to me as being bad. Uh, That's... I not a huge fan of the Carter Verhage signing, but that's oh, pretty much it. I love Carter Verhage. I exactly. And that part of it is I haven't
0: gotten to see him play that much. Yeah, I, I, I actually I love what he brings, like just as that depth piece. Yeah. And like the the risk versus reward. Like I think that's awesome. Like him and Vinny Hinestroza like <laughs> you know, those those are my guys. Like I so I like those moves. I agree in that. I think the, the, the moves I don't like are the moves he didn't make. In, exactly. Right? Like, it, it would have been nice to to get back at least one a Hoffman or Dadnov. Um, I, I, I,
1: that being said, I am okay with letting Dadnov walk. I think three years, five million would have been okay, but I'm – if he could have gone Hoffman, that that would have made the losing Dadinov just basically irrelevant. I think that Hoffman's the big one for me.
0: See, I think I I actually prefer Dadinov to Hoffman. But Hoffman hasn't signed and if he signs for less than what Dadinov signed, then you know, I might think differently. The the thing for me is that it just creates a roster construction where it just seems overly reliant on Tippett and Denisenko panning out and performing at a certain level that we cannot be certain that they're going to perform at. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'd love it if Owen Tippett stepped in and was a 20-goal, 40-point player. That'd be excellent. I, I'm excited to see um,
1: Saran Noel. I I have a very, very high hopes for him. I know he's probably not going to play this year.
0: No. But big guy. Serrano, Serrano, well, to me, like, I don't know what his ceiling would be. I, it's, I don't It's know.
1: really hard to tell. He's had some. So he, when he played, he played juniors. He was with Oshawa, right? And then he wasn't playing for a while.
0: Yeah, it was a whole thing. I think he wanted to trade out of there. Yeah. And then he gets traded
1: to Kitchener. And so I, I never really got to see him with Kitchener at all. But from what I saw with Oshawa, he was really good. But it's makes you wonder why did he need that trade so badly? Because Oshawa was a pretty good team at the time.
0: Yeah, I think to me, I I, I've only seen Serrano play live a couple times. I've watched video on him. Uh, immediately when you when you watch him play, you know, he's, he's a big guy, right? He's like 6'5".
1: Yeah, yeah
0: and you watch him play and the way he uses his frame, the power that he has behind his game and you go, yeah, okay. That guy's an NHL player, right? Like, but, Mm -hmm. but how impactful of an NHL player, like, can he be more than a third or fourth line guy? I don't know. And we Um, haven't seen him
1: play professional yet. He's only played in the juniors and there's really like, you can only tell so much by that.
0: Yeah. But just based on the raw tools and the way he plays, like, I think, Definitely an NHL player. I just, I don't know how high his ceiling is, but I am excited to see him play this year. Uh, And yeah, hopeful about his long-term future with the team. And so, yeah, he's he's, he's one of the more intriguing
1: prospects. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the NHL does. And then subsequently we'll see what the AHL does because that's most likely where he's going to end up in my opinion. Um, especially if the OHL hasn't figured out what they're what they're doing and then yeah. which the OHL at this point seems like the biggest mess. Yeah and uh, no idea what's going on there. That whole stuff with the no body checking is just it's it's really interesting to see what's gonna happen, but I don't have any like huge expectations that I I well, I just don't think they're going to have a season at this point unless there's a vaccine.
0: Yeah, which, you know, everyone's just kind of waiting on. And, yeah, a lot of stuff just unknown. Um, So, yeah, whether Saran Noel, where he plays next year, we don't know what's going to happen. He could be a Greenville Swamp Rabbit, our team, in the <laughs> ECHL, Um, which would be sweet because that's... He,
1: yeah, he could be a Charlotte checker. Charlotte Checker,
0: um, he could be yeah. a, a Panther. We don't know. We don't know. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be an exciting uh, like it, it, whatever happens. It's gonna be an exciting season. There's the potential division realignment, uh, a lot of different factors coming into play. It's gonna be a unique season for sure. Probably a shortened season. Um, but definitely just just something to look forward to. And we'll kind of have to see how things play out. And when it does, we'll be right there, uh, covering it all Yes, sir. On, on the podcast as we do. Uh, and I guess that draws to a conclusion this episode of the podcast. Thank you to everyone tuning in. Uh, appreciate the support as always. Um, We'll be having some uh, we'll hopefully have one or two poll questions out this week. Um, So keep an eye out for those whenever we get those up. And then we'll be right back with episode two uh, dropping on Thursday. So stay tuned for that and we'll see you then. looking to get a step on Mete. Barkov to the net. Barkov between the legs. Unbelievable.